Yeah, pause and think about that. Unrealistic expectations are unmet expectations. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to expectations because if they're unrealistic, they will be unmet. Mm-hmm. And the space between my expectation of you and the reality, I mean, that space in between there is it's where... It's huge. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it is so big. Oh, brother. Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. This episode is part one of a four-part series entitled, What's Your Marriage DNA? Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. We want to thank you for listening today. Here's Worley and Danina. Welcome back. It's going to be back again. It's February. It's hard to believe that January went by so quick. Mm-hmm. Where does the time go? But we're recording for February, and it's Valentine's, and so many of us think about just the celebration of love, and especially love and marriage. And we want to offer a few things from our own marriage that have been helpful to us through the years. Uh, we've talked about this, that we believe marriage has its own DNA, its own makeup. Because the man and the woman who are in the marriage bring their unique selves to it. Mm -hmm. And so while God has provided common features and even commands to to all of us as believers and followers of Christ, the application of that within a marriage can be very different. Mm -hmm. And so we've picked five things that have been helpful to us, to our DNA within our marriage. Each of us have, I should say. Mm And that's going to be fleshed out over uh, what we think is going to be four podcasts. Um, so in these first couple today and the next one, there are going to be things that you've thought of and shared. And then after that, the, 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 the following two will be things that I've thought of. And just to point a note, these are things that either one of us could have thought of. As a matter of fact, we had some duplicates that we've, mm-hmm. we've talked through. But we've each come up with things that have been helpful to either ourselves or we think this has been helpful to our marriage. And I think these things are categories for us in our particular personalities and our makeup and, you know, the the story of our marriage that have been very um, foundational to us in, I think, growing as a couple and, um, you know, even just growing individually. Mm -hmm. I mean, the things that God's asked us to work on. Mm-hmm. personally. so And we say that because we want to share those, but we know there's folks out there that we want you to think about these things, some that will apply and some that won't mm-hmm. apply to, to your marriage. And then to think about what, you know, what might be the DNA of your marriage. What are, what are some of the foundations? Yeah, what is your things? DNA? Yeah, yeah, for your marriage. So as we start today, I'm going to um, really just, I, I want to make sure that we talk about the institution of marriage a little bit because it's been said don't just be committed to your or to the institution of marriage but be committed to the person to whom you are married and that that's really significant because um we don't marry marriage we don't marry the institution of marriage but sometimes as couples we can think well I'm committed to my marriage which is a good thing 
I mean, God would ask us to be committed to marriage, but we we need to think about, I'm committed to this person. Make it personal. I'm committed to you, Worley. You're committed to me. And it changes where it, it keeps us from spending our lives from being committed to marriage, but, you know, really miss out on choosing to be committed to the person and choosing to love you and choosing to respect you and um, because you're a real person. Yeah, and I th- I'm glad you bring that up and, and it's going to be fleshed out. That's really what we're trying to do is we're fleshing out things that are that are some basic truths for everybody, but that because you and I are unique and not the same as all the other people out there, this has been applied in our marriage differently. And I think it's really important in a culture where there is so much information about marriage. Mm-hmm. So easily you can go and look and say, well, this is what it takes to have a good marriage. And that is um, just information. What it takes to have a good marriage is the two people in it. And we're, that's what we're saying is we're, we're focused on what you as a person, Daniel, what do I need to do? And how do I need to be involved with you and you with me? And so it's a very good distinction that you bring up there um, because it's so easy to look outside I mean, or, or the information and, and we, we hear it. You know, I'm committed to my marriage. We want you to be committed to the person within your marriage. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to require some of the things we're going to talk about, that that commitment. And for us personally, the first thing that I chose, and you would have, you know, easily yes. chosen this too, would be um, what's our rule book that we um, are following to do marriage? And for you and I, um, our rule book is God's Word. We've placed a very high priority on what God's Word says about marriage, about how to live in relationship with each other, how to love each other. Um, God's Word says so much about, um, you know, that you're to love me and I'm to respect you and you're to um, treat me in an understanding way and I'm not to use my words or, you know, just my looks to try and you know, fix everything. I mean, we'll we'll flush some of all that out, but that's just to mention a few, and then that's not even going into the context of the gospel and God's Word as a whole there. But I think about this because if you can imagine playing a sport where you're supposed to work together as a team, but each player is playing by their own rules or their own playbook, it's going to be mass chaos, and the team's going to have very little success. Mm-hmm. And it's like that in marriage. If you're not playing by the same playbook, you're you're not going to have the relationship and the success that you would. If you think about football, if the quarterback is running a different play than the receiver is, they're never going to connect. Mm-hmm. And that happens in marriage all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're wanting to think about um, you know, what? what's your playbook? Our playbook um, has been God's Word. And when we've been at odds about something, we often will go back to, each of us individually will go back to what's God asking of me, Danina? What's God asking of you? And, and that helps unify us, bringing in the third person of Christ, bringing in, you know, prayer, bringing in um, the place that God has written out for us. And God's Word does tell us to not be unequally yoked. Second um, Corinthians 6.14 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? 
And, you know, God just gives us this warning that marriage is going to be a lot harder if you're teaming up with somebody who um, isn't a believer, who doesn't think like you, who isn't playing by the same, you know, rule book. And this doesn't mean that you can't continue to, you know, be married to that unbeliever or even have, you know, a pretty good marriage. Um, but you're not going to have that deepest level of intimacy that we talked about in our very first podcast because you don't have that connection. Um, but you're going to still live according to what God's asking of you. And Lee and Leslie Strobel have a book written called Spiritual Mismatch that's helped many marriages in this place that I'll just mention if you're in that place. Um, so do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, we're well, starting think, with— Yeah, and I think that, you know, the, the, that term unequally yoked was an older term that we had heard often, but two people who are believers who are might even say they're committed to the Scriptures— um, need to be asking themselves, is this what guides me? Because even, um, you know, our hearts are, are deceitful. And so we, we could even be, think that you're, we're doing what God's asking us to do it, but, but we're really not reading the Scriptures. We're not re- going back to it. We're not talking about it. It's not what guides us, and it has to be. And this is as we speak for ourselves, I would say both of us, we constantly, I know I do, I constantly am asking myself, well, what is God asking of me here? It's not what Danine is asking of me. It's what is God asking of me mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And then it's, well, okay, so what's Danine asking of me? And how do those things work together? In and ju- what's, what's important with that, it's like the quarterback to the receiver, you know, um, I mean, we're, if we're both getting that instruction of right. what's God asking of me, what's God asking of you, and then just like that'll help them connect the ball, it, it helps us connect in our marriage because God is, he's He's the one that is showing us this pathway and how do we connect. In some areas, we're very different and don't think the same on our own, apart from. What it guards against is what I think happened in Israel when in the book of Judges in Israel was uh, in a time where they were spiraling downward. Mm -hmm. And in Judges, it says several times, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. If we don't have the scriptures, if you and I haven't, uh, if that wasn't central to who we are, then, then we can't help but do what we think. And what's right in our own eyes. And, you know, the flesh, our our sinful fallenness is going to have a propensity towards that anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, runs throughout our culture right now where people make up what it, you know, so many things of what it is, what marriage is and who I am as a male or a female. I mean, people are doing what's right in their own eyes. And so within the, within our marriage, we are dependent upon and so glad that we have the mm-hmm. scriptures. I would say throughout our life, you and I both grown in our love and appreciation for the scriptures. Mm-hmm. We're thankful that we have them mm-hmm. because without which we would be in constant conflict over doing it my way or your way and who's right and who's wrong. It's allowed us to grow, you know, deeper and more intimate in our relationship. Mm-hmm. 
So that's good. My first one is just playing by, you know, our um, rule book that is God's Word and that that's been foundational for us. So I think that's, you know, that's very foundational for our DNA. The second thing that I really chose that I think has been an important category for us to think about is friendship. And it made me think about a lot of the comments we get back uh, about our podcasts is that one of the things people like the most is just our interaction with each other. And they'll say, I, I can really tell you all enjoy each other. And I thought, well, that's true. Um, you know, I like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like Thank me. Goodness. Yeah. And we do enjoy uh, each other and we're friends. And um, it's like you said, we're not we're not performing here. We're just looking at each other and talking to each other and enjoying each other. Yeah, it's different in this, and we've learned this doing podcasts, is that you, when you're speaking before an audience or when you're talking into a camera, then you're not alone in that mm-hmm. experience. And for us, this is we're just being ourselves and talking back and forth as mm-hmm. we would at home. And I think that comes out. Mm-hmm. In, yeah. in that we are friends. And and you've got some really good thoughts mm-hmm. about being friends. Well, one of the retreats, you know, or women's conferences that I've been able to speak at has been on the topic of friendship. And I really enjoy doing that because I think it is so foundational that in the very beginning of Genesis, when God creates Eve, he does that because he says it's not good for man to be alone. Like he cares about that sense of community um, with somebody who's different, but like him. And um, I think that's important. And then I also think Solomon, who's the wisest man who ever lived, um, wrote Ecclesiastes. And he, you know, in a nutshell is basically saying, you know, a life that's shared with somebody else is better. It's easier. It's, you know, it, it's a good thing. And we need friends. And we all do. We need each other. And I like when C.S. Lewis talks about friendship. Um, he says, friendship springs up when you're painting, you're sailing ships, you're praying, you're philosophizing, you're um, fighting shoulder to shoulder. And friends always look in the same direction. And, and that definition made me think about when we met in college is we didn't date initially, um, but we were friends who were Group moving dates. Group dates because you were sorry. <laughs> Do we want to get into that here? Yeah, sure. It was safe. Yeah, group dates. Mm-hmm. It's Didn't, a way to go. Mm-hmm. I want my. I didn't know which girl you liked. That's right, and I liked it that way. <laughs> anyway, that's what I want for my daughter. I just want her to go in group dates. Oh my goodness, we're digressing, but anyway. <laughs> I do think we, you know, we just were building our friendship. We spent a lot of time together. We did a lot of the same things with our groups of yes. friends. We, um, you know, shared just things that were going on in everyday life. We could have fun together. And and uh, we did have fun together. And yes. we did enjoy each other at that level. Yeah. And we shared common interests. Um, and we have continued to do that in our in our marriage. And it's not because we're the same or because we like all the same things. Um, Yeah, I want to speak to that because I think I hear that sometimes is, well, we would just get along better if she was into what I'm into Mm -hmm. or, you know, vice versa. And that's that's not the case with us. I've said before, 
you're more outdoorsy than I am in, in, in certain ways. And, you know, especially in wintertime when it's cold and the snow and so <laughs> forth, and you just want to be in the middle of it. You grew up in, you know, Colorado in the mountains. And mm-hmm. so that's just, you love it. It's my happy place. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I, I want to sit by the fire. I like a good Read fire. your book. I like reading my book by the fire. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, and, and it's not that I don't like being out in the snow and, you know, we both, <clears throat> like snowmobiling, you love snowmobiling. Mm-hmm. And so so part of what makes me enjoy doing those things with you is because of our friendship. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's that we want to be together, that then in turn we do things the other one likes to do. Um, and, and really I enjoy those things because I know you enjoy those things and how much you enjoy those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's is important part of it's not just that you have the same hobbies and things of interest because we don't i mean it's part of the reason i sometimes do a puzzle because mm-hmm. you love to do mm-hmm. puzzle mm-hmm. and um you know it's it's something that i can do to you make me sound so- really boring <laughs> sit by the fire read your book oh i'm gonna go work on the puzzle for and isn't a while. that what i wrote home to my family yeah, when was I wasn't born. sure if I was going to be able to date you. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Right. And when my dad, when you called my dad yeah, he to was ask about... for my hand in marriage, he called me and he said, do you remember when you wrote that letter? Yeah, <laughs> it worried him. <clears throat> <laughs> you felt like Worley might be a little too boring for mm-hmm. you. Right. <laughs> he wanted to make we sure. We digress. Yes. But, but to th- <laughs> and here's another truth here, because I won't go too deep, but the soul is not boring. We as people are not boring. You are we're not boring, We're honey. different. Yes. And so. And we learn, in friendship, you learn to, uh, I mean, you have learned to enjoy things that I really like and, you know, find some joy in them. And, and I've learned um, to really enjoy I mean, we can watch a movie and do a puzzle, and I can really enjoy yeah. that. I find a lot of enjoyment in that. Yeah. Um, but so I think in friendship, you're always expanding too, just and getting we, uh, to know new things and do different things as well. And so we're kind of defining friendship here mm-hmm. and saying friendship is not, it's not just common interest. Right. It's much deeper than that, and friendships develop over time. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, friendship is really uh, centered on who we are in Christ. It's the Spirit within us that, um, because the church is made up of all kinds of different kinds of people who would not come together for any other reason than Christ being at the center. Mm-hmm. And so, friendships are deeper than that, and we. So so this is what you're saying by friendship. We enjoy being together. We're friends. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, we make that priority to spend time together, but it is deeper. And I, I think the Bible talks about a depth of friendship that I feel like we do have from Proverbs 17, 17, where it says a friend um, loves at all times. I think, uh, I, I mean, that gives me a lot of security in my marriage that's part of the reason I would pick this because I feel loved on my up days and on my down days when I look good, when I, you know, look like I just crawled out of bed, when I am, you know, have my act together, when I don't have my act together. I, I have felt loved by you at all times. And um, that, I mean, to have that kind of a friendship has 
been, I mean, critical in our marriage and even just for my security in marriage. And it's it's a gift. And then I think Proverbs 27 also says, better is open reprimand than love that's hidden. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We've been that kind of friend to each other. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up about faithful are the wounds of a friend because I've not been wounded by anybody in the same way that I have been by you. Mm-hmm. And we've been married you know, over 30 years, and no one has hurt me in the same way that you have, or vice versa. And it's because of this intimacy that we share and this closeness that we share and in this fallen world that, you know, to unfortunately, we do or say things that cause wounds, but some, but when it's on behalf of a friend or something said on behalf of a friend, then it's for their good, and we need that, and mm-hmm. and we appreciate that in each each other. And I'm not talking about being reckless in wounding one another. I'm talking, although that can happen, I'm, I'm just saying that that isn't what separates us. That is part of what you know is part of our DNA. Mm-hmm. in the depth of our friendship. Mm-hmm. And the deeper, you, you know, your friendship is, the more known you are. Mm-hmm. So you, I mean, in our next podcast, we'll be talking about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You expose yourself mm-hmm. to being wounded when you don't have a shallow friendship. Mm-hmm. Shallow friendships don't take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You don't get wounded. Not a lot of risk. Nearly, you know, as often. And and so I think for us, we don't just tell each other what we want to hear but we do tell each other what we need to hear. I mean, I, I want to see, you know, Christ formed in you. You want to see Christ formed in me. Um, and we we want to grow um, in our friendship. And so that that's been very foundational to us. And and some some of you that maybe, you know, aren't don't have this. I mean, I would say friendship at the very beginning just starts like C.S. Lewis said. You start by, you know, spending time together and doing things together and focusing in the same direction. And um, you're you're thinking, you know, maybe you don't. You're like Worley and I and, you know, pretty different in what we would do in our free time, I would say, especially, or some of the things that we just really enjoy. Um, but we've we figured out, you know, sometimes how to die to ourselves and do that. And we've figured out we actually enjoy it when we do it. Or, um, you know, sometimes we do things separately and are okay, but we've, we've communicated about that. And, and just to, just to add, because in, as we move on to our next point though, figured out is an important word. Cause I'm, I'm concerned for those listening who might feel like, well, I don't know that we're that good of friends in your early in your marriage, develop it. Just, that's the really the point here. Develop a friendship. It it needs to happen. It can happen, but it takes time. And it, it takes time and it takes communication. And um, yeah, so that's good.
All right, so we we have talked about our playbook. Um, we've talked about friendship. And now the last thing today we want to talk about is just our expectations. And um, this is critical for every relationship we're in, but really in marriage. Um, it's so important. And I really like a, a quote by Lisa Turkhurst where she says, unrealistic expectations become unmet expectations. And unmet expectations are like kindling wood. It only takes but a spark of frustration to set them ablaze and burn those involved. Yeah, pause and think about that. Unrealistic expectations are unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to expectations because if they're unrealistic, they will be unmet. Mm -hmm. And the space between my expectation of you and the reality, I mean, that space in between there is is where— huge. (laughs) Sometimes. I mean, it is so big. Oh, brother. (laughs) I mean, when you're saying it, I'm just thinking, wow, she just like— Oh, we need a video for this for you to show how far your hands are apart. But what I would say here is that that's all this. I would say my expectations and you are two inches apart, right there together. Mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) we are saying that that space is really where all the pain is, all the anger is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the hurt, the woundedness, and. And in really where marriages start to fall apart often, often. is just in this area. So uh, for me, it's, it's— And I would say not always, but but I would say often. this often happens, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. So think about this, whether we really know it or not, or we think about it, we all come into marriage with these expectations. We have expectations about roles in marriage. We have expectations about— you know, sex and romance in marriage. We have expectations about responsibility in marriage. We're, you know, whose family we're going to spend time with for the holidays. Who's going to do the cooking? Who's going to do the cleaning? Are we both going to work outside the home? Who's going to manage the money? Um, how are we going to parent our kids? How many kids are we going to have? I mean, it, it. I mean, we come into marriage Whew. loaded without even really you know, knowing, and then that's not even going to the heart level about my expectations of how's my husband going to love me? And, you know, is my wife going to, you know, think I'm her hero? And, you know, what whatever it might be. You we, mean she's not? <laughs> we have these heart level expectations. And many of these come from the way that we saw our parents do things. So, you know, we're we're trying to recreate something that we really liked in our parents' marriage and and we see it as good and we want to recreate it in our marriage, or it comes from um, us trying to avoid something that maybe we saw in our parents' marriage that created a lot of chaos and conflict and pain. So expectations can be very rooted in the, you know, trying to um, create or, you know, recreate something or trying to avoid something. And beyond that, we have the culture that's, you know, telling us this is what marriage looks like. We have the desires in our own hearts. We have seen movies and think, ooh, I, I want that. Um, we we compare ourselves with other people's marriages and say, ooh, I, I, I just, I wish my husband was like that, or I wish my wife was like that, or I wish we communicated like that. And So what you're saying is there's lots of expectations, yes. and they come from all different places. And all of us have them. And sometimes we don't even, we're not aware of it. 
it's driving our marriage. It's driving conflict yeah. all the time. But we don't even slow down in life enough to recognize, you know, I have expectations and what are they? And and I want you to hear me say, I'm not, I, I, it's not healthy to just drop your expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll cause you to have a well, dead heart and a dead marriage. It's, it's not really possible unless you just want to sh- completely shut down. So no. therefore, that only may work for a very short period of time, and then you got other problems. Mm-hmm. So, so how I, did you ever come to terms with that I was not meeting your expectations? Come to terms with it? Yeah. I mean, how? what's the process for you? Take us through the process that you work through, because this is going to be helpful to all of mm-hmm. us in how to go about dealing with expectations. Yes, I just thought I, I wanted to share what I've kind of thought about and put together and um, have even spoken to some women's groups on this before because it's 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 in us, like I said, all the time. And I think the first thing is to slow down enough sometimes to make a list of what are my expectations. I mean, I'm really angry right now at Worley about this or this or this, or I'm feeling so wounded by him about this or this or this. I mean, what were my expectations? What did I, what was I wanting that, I, you know, didn't happen there? And so to even identify what my expectation is, um, is important to start with. Then I'm going to ask myself, and this has become very important to me personally, but also when I counsel women, because women feel so guilty often, um, about asking something of their husband. And if their husband has responded to them like you're too needy or, you know, you're always nagging or whatever, um, you know, in a defensive way or an angry way. Which, which by the way, may, hap- probably which, happens. Yeah, and would reveal maybe his expectations that he really needs to pay attention to. But keep yeah, that's, going. Yeah, that's a good point. Keep going. Anyway, so I will start with basically, I'm going back to the rule book that I've talked about already, and I will, you know, ask myself, am I asking something of you, Worley, that, you know, God's not already asking of you? Um, because many times the, my expectations are tied to, you know, well, God's asked you to treat me in an understanding way um, as a weaker vessel, as a joint heir, lest your own prayers be hindered. In First Peter three, God's asking you to treat me in that way. Um, God's asking you to walk in the Spirit toward me, with patience and self control and kindness. Or so you're basically asking, yes. what are God's expectations of Worley? Yes. What does God expect of him? And then, then I can know I'm not I'm not wrong here in this expectation because I'm not asking something of you that God's not already asking of you. Now, the problem here sometimes becomes, um, do I, you know, take that desire that I have for you that matches up with God's desire for you as my husband and then have a demanding, controlling spirit about it? Or do I, you know, sin in, you know, complaining and criticizing and kind of like our January podcast, we talked about some of those things. I mean, how, how do I handle that? And I'll talk about that here in a minute. Yeah, so, but- so so the first thing is you're saying, what are God's expectations? And that helps you to determine, because there's some things that you may be asking me, that's not what God's asking of me. No. But then there are certain things of, no, God does ask me, ask that of me, and you're having to live with my 
coming through, you know, am I, am I actually doing what God's asking me to do? I may not be. Mm-hmm. And you got to live with that mm-hmm. or vice versa. So it's, yes. it's a good kind of first question after you've named the expectations of what's God asking. And then secondly, I'm going to ask myself, you know, are you really capable of meeting these expectations based upon how you're wired and your personality and, you know, who God's made you to be? Um, I mean, I I think this happens often that we just come into a marriage and relationships and I have an expectation that, like we said earlier, you know, maybe you're going to be like my dad in some of these ways. Uh, You're not like my dad. You're not outdoorsy. You're not Mr. Fix anything that needs fixed. Excuse me. (laughs) You have grown to be much um, more handy and mechanical than when we first got married. But I had those expectations. That's what my dad was always like. It's very natural that you would have that. Right. But but another one is that I'm not a, you know, I'm not a gift giver. Mm -hmm. Now, is there, is it, am I wrong because I'm not a gift giver? Am I in sin because I'm not a gift giver? No. Um, no. I'm just, that's not my thing. But I might have had that expectation. And some of that can be based upon what you were like in dating versus what you were like, you know, in marriage. I had a lot more money <laughs> when we were dating than after we got married. <laughs> anyway, we we come, I mean, we come into it with you know, these expectations, and it has helped me so much to think about, you know, Worley's not going to ever be that gift giver. He's not going to ever be my dad in these certain areas because that's not who he is. And that's freed you up in our marriage to be who you are and and uh, me to not be upset because I can, I, you know, I place value on all the other ways you love me and the other ways that you go about leading me versus thinking, you know, you're not like this. So it's growing in um, appreciating who you are and thinking about is who Worley is as a man, as a person, even able to meet this based upon his makeup and his wiring and who he is. So just to give the distinction and make a comment, it's very important that it's very important that that we know what God's expectations of me are. He, he expects me to choose you, to love you, to cherish you. Because I've heard some women say, well, he's never going to, or he doesn't have the ability to. No, he does. Mm-hmm. God's given him that ability to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's very different than I'm a good gift giver. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you might have an expectation. Well, that's how he's got to love me. Well, no, because I love you in lots of other ways. Yes. And so those are the distinctions here that I think need to be made. Mm -hmm. That's very important. I'm glad you said that. So the third question that I asked myself kind of moving through this is then, is is we're able to meet these expectations um, due to our current circumstances? And I I would say this because sometimes we need to put our expectations and take the time to think about our expectations in a context, in a a bigger picture of life. And, uh, you know, the last two years are good examples um, in our own life here because you've had a lot of very personal change. You've changed part of your career path. You have um, lost your dad 
You have stepped it up in the ways that you're taking care of your mom since his death. You um, have had a lot of health issues that have taken some real time to figure out where you even had the energy to kind of some some days even really function real well, even because of some medication you were on. And, um, and then not only that, we've had the pandemic and COVID and economy and politics. I mean, that that's a transition for everybody right now. And then our, our two children have been in transition. So it's been a lot. And so I think asking myself, are you able to meet these expectations right now in this season of life? Because we're all in, we're moving through different seasons and contexts all the time. And you've been good to help me, I think, by being willing to say, you know, I'm having a hard time, like letting me into your internal world, even as an introvert, because you're thinking about it, but letting me in and saying, um, you know, I'm having a hard time here, or I'm struggling there, or I'll say, you know, I've just noticed you, it seems like you're having a hard time functioning. And then we kind of together figure out some of that's probably maybe the medication. And I think it's part of what, yeah. you know, so, so what are God's expectations? What are, what are his makeup? But then you get into this third question of, is he currently able to meet those? And that actually could go into, well, what are God's expectations? And you may not experience from me some of the ways that I truly was loving you and choosing you in the same way. And now all of a sudden that's different because of our circumstances. And it got very confusing to you. And I would say this to some who, you know, need to understand this is, this is both of us are involved in this process. When you go through these things, this involved discussion and conversation between us. This isn't something you're just doing on your own. I mean, you had to deal with some disappointment that I don't have the same energy or I don't have the same focus in some of these areas. Now, you know, fortunately, in spe- especially some of the health stuff, things have returned back to normal because I was on a medication that was affecting me in a certain mm-hmm. way, a heart medication, and and we've adjusted that. And so it's it's better. But you're making a good point to say sometimes your expectations, you need to look at those and have to make adjustments or offer, you know, just grace, but because of what's happening in the present circumstances. But that also involved, you know, discussion back and forth. Mm-hmm. It didn't just happen. Right. And and it's just, we come at, expectations come from me. A whole lot of me, I, <laughs> you know, in those things. And if you don't put it in a context, sometimes you're not able to think about where that other person's coming from. And Life is always changing and evolving. And, um, you know, there have been seasons in our life where, you know, maybe there was something going on with one of us, even work-related, where we weren't going to have the capacity to give to the marriage in the same way that we would in other times. But because we did this and we worked to try and put it in a context and to know that this is just a week or two, or this is a season. I mean, my mom had a a tax business. I mean, tax season, her ability to give in, you know, marriage or other relationships or, you know, even maybe in ministry during that season, very limited compared to the rest of the time. 
And if you don't understand that in a marriage, you're going to be putting these expectations and be upset at your spouse all the time. So putting it in context is really important. And then I think the last thing I would say here is I'm a sinner married to a sinner. (laughs) And, you know, we aren't going to come through for each other. Number one, God's not intended us to come through for each other in the same way he does. So there's going to be that level of disappointment and loss which you're going to talk about in one of your podcasts, um, your categories later. But, you know, then there's the side of it that what do I do when you don't meet the expectation? So this would be, I mean, the last thing I would just say is learning to um, grieve, you know, to settle into the disappointment or the pain versus just protect myself by saying, oh, I'm just not even going to expect that of him anymore. That's real easy to do trying to protect my heart from feeling the disappointment or pain, but it's going to cycle back around again. Mm -hmm. So learning to grieve, you know, the loss, um, learning, uh, you know, working through the process of forgiveness, if that's required, sometimes it's not a sin. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you don't need to forgive. um, But sometimes you have to grieve the disappointment, I think. um, And then for me, it's to make myself vulnerable to you again, and we'll talk about that next week, but it's to risk being vulnerable and opening my heart up to you again, communicating again, you know, asking something of you again mm-hmm. um, in that in that way, and just continuing that cycle. And we live that out over and over and yeah. over again and have for years, and you're, you're describing a process that's helpful to you, and I would say my process is similar that's, you know, been helpful to me in, mm-hmm. in just adjusting. I think that's the big word is you're constantly looking at expectations and you're going through what we've shared and you're having to make adjustments. Mm-hmm. So really, our we've, we've shared things today that are part of our DNA and you've mm-hmm. named them, the scriptures, um, the, the expectations. Um, and friendship. And, and friendship. Just my playbook. Just friendship. being... being really important to us. And so we'll continue next time. We're going to talk about some more of our DNA and what what you've thought about as far as what we bring to our marriage. Mm -hmm. Thank you again for joining Worley and Danina today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Just a quick reminder that Worley and Danina have their four-part video series entitled Effective Communication available for sale on their website. These videos are available for download or streaming through a private Vimeo link that will be sent to you upon purchase. Thank you again so much for tuning in today. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. God bless.